Welcome to Live Well with Southwell. Southwell is dedicated to helping you be equipped with the best tools and knowledge to make sure you and your family live a healthy life. Live Well with Southwell features interviews with experts across many areas of healthcare and wellness. We hope you enjoy listening and most importantly, living well. Hi everyone, I'm your host Liza Tillman and joining me today is Dr. Melinda Knight, a urologist with Tiff Regional Urology. Dr. Knight will be discussing a topic we all may be too familiar with, kidney stones. Dr. Knight, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So let's get started by learning a little bit more about you. You have recently come back home by working in Tifton, is that right? That's absolutely right. I grew up in Sylvester, Georgia, which Mm -hmm. is just 20 minutes away, and I've lived away uh, going to college. medical school in my residency and then have practiced about 20 years in the Midwest in the Chicago area. Okay, so you're back down to the heat now. (laughs) The heat is good. I got two (laughs) pictures today from friends and they were ice covered lake. So So you're not missing the snow too much. Not missing the snow or the ice snow. Well, we're glad to have you back in Tiffin. Thank you. So that brings me to my next question. What does your educational background look like? I went to undergraduate at University of Georgia in Athens. Okay. Um, I then did my medical school in Baltimore, Maryland at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to the Midwest to do my residency at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. So I landed up in private practice in the Chicagoland area in the Midwest for the last 20 years. So for our audience who may not know, can you tell us what a urologist does? Sure. As a urologist, I take care of a wide variety of problems. That ranges from urinary tract infections to kidney stones and the prostate. In men and women, we both have a variety of issues going on. Um, in some men who have enlarged prostate, they have difficulty urinating. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, in a lot of women, we have bladder control problems. We also take care of a lot of urinary tract cancers, ranging from prostate and kidney cancer, as well as bladder and testicular cancer. So we have a wide variety of things yeah. we see every day. So where do you practice? Um, our office, Tift Regional Urology, is right here in Tifton, Georgia, next to the hospital, but we draw patients from all the surrounding counties. Great. And so do patients need to be referred by their primary care physician to see you, or can they just come in and, and set up an appointment on their own? I would say that just depends on your insurance for the most part, but mm-hmm. many patients can just see us as a self-referral if they think they have a problem that relates to the urinary tract. And a lot of times we get patients from the emergency room, which leads us to the topic oh, we're talking about right. today. Right. So let's, let's go into that. So now that we have some background on you and we know more about your field, let's talk about the dreaded kidney stone. What is a kidney stone? A kidney stone, quite simply, is just a hard deposit of salts and minerals in the kidney. When patients get really dehydrated, the urine gets very concentrated, they Mm -hmm. crystallize and form little particles. They can often be like a soft brown pebble, or sometimes they're like a small crystallized particle. Mm -hmm. And those very small particles can be very painful, right? Yes, very, very (laughs) painful. Um, Even like a tiny two millimeter stone Mm -hmm. can start moving and block the flow of urine from the kidney and really be excruciatingly painful feels like a knife in your back, some people say. Yes. So here's a personal question. Have you ever had a kidney stone before? I have had a kidney stone. (laughs) That's probably not what made me go into urology, but I have. (laughs) I was 10 years old, and I know it was related to drinking lots of Mountain Dew. which I don't do anymore. But when I was 10, I had a kidney stone and I was hospitalized at Tiff Regional. And that was, I can definitely tell you before the age of CAT scans and easy diagnosis and easy treatment. And it was kind of a conundrum. People didn't know what I had. I was so young, but I ultimately passed it and I've never had one again. But you can really identify with your patients when they're coming in doubled over in pain. A hundred percent. You have, you have felt that before. Mm -hmm. I have too. And it's, I would never wish that on my worst enemy. (laughs) So how common are kidney stones? 
Oh, they're very, very common. About one in 10 people are going to have a kidney stone in their lifetime. There's a slight uh, predominance in men versus women, Mm -hmm. but about one in 10. And then once you have a kidney stone, there is a good chance you'll get another one. There's not a definite percentage because they think it depends on how you modify your diet and your lifestyle after you get one, Mm -hmm. whether you get another one, but there is a familial component as well. Okay. So can they happen to anyone, men and women, any age? Clearly, well, ha- can have clearly you can be 10 years old um, and have one. They happen, as I said, in men and women. Men with a slight advantage over women in right. forming kidney stones. Mm-hmm. The peak time you would have a kidney stone is in your 40s and 50s. Okay. Does geography play a factor in, in kidney stones? Geography absolutely plays a factor. We always call this area the stone belt because it's so... Oh, wow. Yeah, the stone belt. <laughs> it's, it's very hot where we live and people don't hydrate themselves enough. And even if you think you're hydrating enough, mm-hmm. I have a, had eight glasses of water a day. That's what I'm supposed to do. Right. There's a lot of insensible loss, especially here in the South where it's very hot all the time. So I think people have a hard time actually hydrating themselves. It also has a lot to do with dietary factors. And I think Uh those are some things I'll go into. We talk about causes and prevention of kidney stones, but yes, geographic location is a big factor. I've heard that the South referred to as many things, but not the, did you say the stone belt? The kidney stone belt, (laughs) the stone belt. Well, that's unfortunate. What are the risk factors of getting kidney stones? And more importantly, can you prevent them? Well, there are lots of risk factors. I just talked about one, dehydration. And I think people think they're drinking enough, but many times they're not. You want your urine to look almost clear. And then you can probably say, I'm drinking enough fluid. But there are also a lot of other factors. The second most common thing that people can do is decrease their salt intake. The American diet is very high in salt. Mm -hmm. If something's in a bag, it's processed, or you're going out to eat, it's probably high in salt. Mm -hmm. Salt increases the filtration of calcium in the kidneys, which, of course, leads to leads to more stone formation. The most common stone is calcium oxalate, hence calcium and oxalate have a lot to do with formation of kidney stones. Okay. So you said that when you were 10 years old, you were drinking a lot of Mountain Dew. That's so dehydration that, that's the and dehydration. the sodium and mm-hmm. um, the oxalates. Okay. Okay. So do we really just need to be drinking water or are there other beverages that can kind of count or do we really just need to be focusing on water to prevent these? What I tell my patients is you can't expect to just drink water all day long. Mm-hmm. Put some, squeeze some lemon in it. That's also preventive for kidney stones. Okay. Um, but um, if you have, I always tell them a rule of thumb is if you want to have a glass of tea and here sweet tea is the king. Right. If right. you want to have a glass of tea, have three glasses of water for every glass of tea. If you want to have a glass of co- or a cup of coffee, have three glasses of water for every cup of coffee. Okay, that's fair. Moderation. So it's like anything. You really just need to pay attention to it and, and realize that you can prevent that. But like I said, if somebody's had one of these before, they'll probably do anything they can to never have one again because it's it can be, well, that would be the idea, right? That'd be the idea, <laughs> but I think you forget. I think you forget like what the pain was like. Um, oh, yeah. How are kidney stones treated? If you've got one, you weren't, you were dehydrated, you didn't listen to the doctor, you didn't drink your water. Now what happens if when you're in the middle of the pain? We have all sorts of ways kidney stones are treated. The most common way is medical expulsion. Wait it out, drink lots of fluids. We have certain medications we can give you now, mm-hmm. Flomax being a trade name for an alpha blocker that will help relax the urinary tract structures and help you pass stones easier. Okay. A lot of men are familiar with them because we use it for enlarged prostate, but they okay. can also help facilitate kidney stone passage. So pain medication, mm-hmm. um, lots of fluid, Flomax, that's mm-hmm. sort of a mainstay of medical expulsion therapy. But when that doesn't work, and yeah. oftentimes it doesn't, especially for stones larger than five millimeters, we have several surgical options. 30, 40 years ago, we used to have to make really large incisions on your side to mm-hmm. take out kidney stones. Um, but now we've got lots of minimally invasive techniques. 
one of the most common things that people have heard about to treat kidney stones is extracorporeal shockwave lithotripsy. It's a long word for S-Wall. That's a mouthful. <laughs> S-Wall. So really, that's just when we use sound wave therapies, mm-hmm. shockwave therapy. People have heard of that frequently. And that's yes. what people often thought about getting into a water bath. But now we just put a water underneath your back and that helps the sound waves transmit and break up the stone. So that's a minimally invasive way. Sure. Another great option is ureteroscopy. That's where we take a really thin telescope, go into your bladder, again, not making any kind of incisions at all, mm-hmm. and use a laser fiber to break up the stone and retrieve any particles too large with a small basket. So we get you stone free as well. Okay. For larger stones, we do have some also some really great techniques to avoid making large incisions and keep it minimally invasive. We can make an incision about an inch in your back. We can go right into your kidney with a scope break out the stone and suction it at the same time. And that's a little more invasive than the other two yeah. procedures I talked about, but we can take care of stones as large as three and four centimeters. Stones that fill wow. up the entire kidney can be treated that way. Okay. So it's a great option. The more we treat kidney stones, the more advances we get. In fact, at TIFF Regional, we're investing in a lot of new laser therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the new laser therapies is going to allow us to be much more efficient with stones and treat larger stones in a quicker fashion to get you on your feet again quick. You know, right. more quickly. Which is what everybody's looking for when they've Absolutely. got a kidney yes. stone. Yes. So how do you decide out of all those treatments that you just mentioned, which one is best? A lot of it depends on how the patient presents. Mm-hmm. If I have a patient who comes into the emergency room, and they have excruciating pain uh-huh. and they have an infection, mm-hmm. we need to do something just to unblock the kidney, let the kidney drain and recover. So we'll put a temporary stent in. Okay. But then it's often based on the size of the stone, mm-hmm. where the stone is located, whether it's in the kidney, whether it's in the lower ureter, how well it can be seen on a plain x-ray. Mm-hmm. And then really, you know, as I said, just how large it is. Other risk factors are eating a high protein diet. Protein in the body breaks down into uric acid. Mm-hmm. Uric acid forms crystals that deposit into the kidney or deposit into your joint. I'm sure you've had our, heard of patients having gout. Well, those yeah. patients who have gout mm-hmm. are also at risk for having uric acids in the urinary sediment, which okay. can also lead to uric acid stones or increase your risk for other types of stones like calcium oxalate. Mm-hmm. What would you consider a high protein diet to be? High animal protein. And I guess I should have clarified. So I'm a big believer in eating at least part of the week a plant-based diet, Uh but a high protein diet in particular, high animal protein diet can increase your risk for forming kidney stones due to that uric acid production. So I don't have a certain how many grams of animal protein. I just tell my patients to start slowly. Try to be a vegetarian two days a week. Try to eat plant-based sources of protein a couple of days a week. Some people um, have problems in their GI tract where they don't absorb things properly. And that okay. can occur in Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis or people who have gastric bypass surgery. They're mm-hmm. more prone to having calcium oxalate stones. Okay. Um, there are certain things like hyperparathyroidism. Mm-hmm. That mean, There's a small gland. And if there's an overproduction of that certain hormone, people will have increased levels of calcium in their system and form calcium oxalate stones as well. And then another common thing that I see in my office is urinary tract infections. So if you're having multiple frequent urinary tract infections, Mm -hmm. that also is a risk factor for forming certain types of stones. So what are your best recommendations for people who want to avoid kidney stones? Well, I have some very basic guidelines, especially for first stone formers who want to prevent them. Guideline number one is keep yourself hydrated. You want to form at least a half gallon of urine every day. If you're doing that, your urine's going to look clear, clear to pale yellow. Mm -hmm. Then you've met your goal. Number two is decrease the sodium or the salt in your diet. The average American diet has too much salt. Mm -hmm. 2,000 milligrams a day is all you need. And probably if you go eat a slice of pizza, you've already met your 2,000 milligrams. 
So decrease your salt and mm-hmm. increase hydration. And okay. then as far as specific dietary factors, for example, people are always saying, what can I do? What can I eat to prevent kidney stones? Yeah. Well, number one, don't avoid your calcium supplements. I think okay. that you can take things in moderation. I just mm-hmm. wouldn't be excessive with calcium supplements. Mm-hmm. And number two, oxalate. I get asked a lot about what you know specific types of foods. There are certain types of foods that are very high in oxalate. Okay. Um, and ironically, the diet here in the South is very high in oxalate. Things that are very good for you, like dark leafy green vegetables, mm-hmm. such as spinach and Swiss chard are high in oxalates. Okay. Um, certain types of nuts, peanuts being one of the highest nuts, sure. are very high in oxalate, but other okay. nuts are as well. Okay. Um, so dark leafy green vegetables, mm-hmm. some nuts... Teas are very high in oxalate, green tea, black tea. Okay. Um, uh, and those are what I tell my patients. I actually give them a dietary guideline to oxalates and say, you don't have to eliminate dark leafy green vegetables. That's not mm. an excuse to not eat your veggies. Right. Just take a look at the list and say, hey, I'm going to switch out kale for spinach or vice versa. You know, look at the list mm. that's got the amount of oxalates in it and choose one that's preferable. Dr. Knight, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I really look forward to doing it again. So if you would like to make an appointment with Dr. Knight, you can call Tiff Regional Urology at 229-391-3535. Thank you for listening to this episode of Live Well with Southwell. If you have a question for a healthcare expert or a topic you'd like us to discuss, send an email to info at mysouthwell.com. Until next time, live well.